Hello and welcome to Business Talk with Chris Hazel. Today I have something slightly different. Instead of a local business owner, I have an author with me. Um, today I'm joined by Andy Jaggard. He's the author of Shakespeare Press, the memoir of Gerald Jaggard. So welcome, Andy. Hi, Chris. Thanks for asking me. No problem at all. Um, yeah, I think first of all, it would be best to get a bit of an introduction about what the book's about um, and how you came to to write the book. Okay. Um, my father, Gerald Jaggard, died um, just over 20 years ago in 2002. He, he was 97. I was on a holiday uh, in Menorca at the time when I got the message that he'd died and uh, came home to the family home in, in Tiddington and uh, was sorting out his study a couple of days after his death. We were waiting for the funeral and I came across a manuscript, a typed manuscript, which turned out to be his memoir, Gerald's memoir. He called it The Life and Death of a Stratford Bookshop. He, he ran an old bookshop in the centre of Stratford in Sheep Street, and uh, that was it. <laughs> and immediately I sat down and read it, um, and it was fascinating. It was my father was a writer. He had a published book, a more general book on Stratford. But what struck me when I read it was it was very emotional, very critical of his father and very powerful in places. And he wasn't a man who wore his heart on his sleeve. He was quite a reserved man. And so the, it was very different from anything I'd read by him before. But it was unfinished. It got to a certain point in his life and it stopped dead. And also the last couple of chapters were sort of not relevant. It was as though he'd lost his way in the book. Do you think, um, do you think he meant for it to be published? Um... <laughs> That's a very good question. And one I've asked myself, did he mean for it to be published well of course now three years on part of the job was to try and find out what led him to write the book why he didn't finish the book um and i, I now know a lot more about uh, or i've i've made some guesses guesses educated guesses about why he didn't finish it so did he mean it to be published i think he decided I don't know this. I think he decided he couldn't publish it because, one, because it was too sharing his dirty washing in public. Um, two, because I think he there was still some stuff to write, which he hadn't yet written. And I think he probably realized, how on earth am I going to write that? And do I want to do that? So that's why I think he abandoned it. Did he want, does, would he want me to finish it? Well, would he have wanted me to finish it in my style rather than his? Who knows? Um, uh, I, I don't know. That, that's, that's something I think about quite a lot. But he did leave the manuscript and he did leave a lot of important family letters some of which yeah, copy letters. So he, he, 
Or he'd probably, he, he wrote it, I think, when he was 74. He started writing when he was 74. He's 97 when he died. Um, so it must have been sitting there for a number of years, I think, abandoned. Mm. But he didn't, he didn't throw it away. He didn't destroy it. He didn't destroy all the evidence either about the descent. And neither did you, because this was 20 years ago, and then you published your book a, a few years ago. So we used that on April. Uh, we just published in April. In April, sorry. I'd be starting it a few years ago. I started three years ago. That I came sort of, for a number of reasons, came to the idea, why shouldn't we try and finish the book on his behalf? Well, one, find out what happened to him in his life that made him feel so emotional about his father and, and had obviously some deeply buried feelings about his father. His father was a man called Captain William Jaggard. So that's my grandfather. Gets a bit confusing, this. So Gerald was writing about his father, Captain William Jaggard, who was a very extreme character. And obviously, Gerald had lots of feelings about what had happened to him and the family. Um, yeah, William Jaggard, you, you and Gerald both paint him as a uh, yeah pretty determined character, I'd, I'd say, um, and uh, outspoken. Um, but there's three core goals that he has in life that you talk about um, a couple of times in the book, um, yeah. and that's what uh, a lot of the yeah a lot of the first half of it goes goes into. So yeah, if you want to tell us a bit about, yeah. about those to give us a history of yeah, what yeah, my, my grandfather was a very extreme man, and and oh, no, I won't go into that. Um, he he had three missions in life. He, he was apprenticed to a booksellers um, in Leamington Spa, where he did a sort of apprenticeship, and he catalogued quite a lot of collections, um, Shakespearean collections and libraries and so on. One of them was at Warwick Castle, had a magnificent Shakespearean collection, and in in, in doing that work. It was very difficult because there wasn't a decent reference book about all the sort of things written on Shakespeare. And so he thought, you know, a bibliography of Shakespeare was required. And as a young man, he set out to write it. It took him 22 years, mostly in his leisure time. Incredibly complex piece of work. Um and so that was one one of his missions in life. Um, the second mission in life was his name was Jaggard. And when he was at Warwick Castle, my father, Gerald, thought he saw the name on the first folio, which is uh, Isaac Jaggard. But William and Isaac Jaggard were the, the publishers of the first folio. And so he thought... Wow, <laughs> I'm Jaggard, they're Jaggard. I think we're probably descended, directly descended from these famous publishers of Shakespeare's first folio. And I'm going to prove it during my lifetime. So that was his second big goal. And the third was to open a bookshop in Stratford-on-Avon because it's the Bard's hometown and... What better than a Jaggard who directly descended from the publishers of the first folio to open a bookshop in Stratford? Do you think, so, um, which order do you think they came in? Do you think that he 
wanted to prove that lineage to help his business or just <laughs> the business came because he had this lineage uh which way around well he he whatever else you might say about him my grandfather that is he was an amazing entrepreneur uh and he was amazingly resourceful and he was a self i would say a self publicist of the first order so i think he wanted to help his business and i think he wanted he absolutely wanted he believed that he was directly descended and he wanted the kudos of that and of course it was a great selling point you know during his life speaking tours in america you know the direct lineal descendant so i think he both wanted to to believe it wanted to prove it and it was enormously helpful to his business and he wasn't backward in coming forward and promoting himself and did you know him did you have much relationship with him no i didn't uh, bizarrely he died on the 27th of april 1947 and i was born on the 27th of april 1952 so i was born exactly 5 years to the day when he died, which was a bit spooky when I discovered that. I didn't know him. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I sometimes wonder how I would have got on with him. I think I would have found him very difficult, uh, perhaps entertaining. Um, I'm not sure I would have liked some of his characteristics. And interestingly, one person who was a test reader for the book one of his niggles, he called it, he, he, he loved the book and he, he really enjoyed it. But he said, Andy, I think you're being too harsh on your grandfather. I think you are, you're portraying him in a very negative way and you're being quite judgmental about him. And I thought, that, that's, that's, a fair, that's a fair cop. <laughs> because now, you know, is that because I took my father's viewpoint and I've, I've looked, you know, I know what my father wrote about him. I know what, now what happened to, to Gerald and the family that was very, very difficult and, and, and affected Gerald's, my father's life very severely in the first 40 years of his life. So maybe I am a bit harsh on him but on the other hand there, there is plenty of evidence that he was a very extreme man and uh for want of a better word a bit of a rogue so you think you, you form that opinion from from your father's reports of him basically or i i formed that opinion partly because for a my father was a gentle correct, polite, understated man who didn't, you know, didn't express his feelings much at all. He was very friendly and was, you know, good company, but he was quite reserved. So for him, in this book, The Life and Death of a Strapper, to be so critical and so emotional said a lot. To... There are bits as well, aren't there, where you refer to him and where he's actually, where he has been, perhaps, like, he, he feels overly critical and he's gone and crossed, crossed it out, um, I seem to remember. 
Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, th- that was one of the interesting things. Um, in when I, part of the research was I because Gerald's book ended in about 1924 when he was 19. That's that was the last sort of recorded event. So still a very young man. This is in him writing about it. You know when he stopped describing it, and yet he he'd written another book in 1960, which uh, was far more general book, and and also talked about his father. But the interesting thing about that book was it was mostly quite respectful about describing Captain Jaggard. There was the odd reference to him, you know, his strong character, didn't suffer fools, that sort of thing, but mostly it was respectful. And yet then, that he wrote that in 1960, 14 years later... He's writing a very different book, which is far more critical, far more outspoken. So one of the questions I ask myself is, why? What happened in, in those 15 years that, that he went from being polite, you know, mostly respectful about his father, or naming all his achievements, to something that was very different? Which, of course, comes back to, did he intend to publish it? Well, <laughs> no, he didn't. But 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 he it was a catharsis for him, I think. I think he, he, it's something, and, and I'm, I pretty much in the book worked out what I think it was, the sequence of events that led to him going, I'm going to write about my father now. I'm going to express what really happened. It's important to tell the truth, etc." I go back to right back to start with uh, talking about this, the the gap between you finding the memoirs and you deciding to write the book. What mm. what what was the reason for such a long gap? Was that just you busy with life and then came to it? Um, yeah. or were you still asking those questions? Partly, I was busy with life. You know, I, I was a consultant and traveling all over, and you know, very busy in all sorts of ways. <laughs> So partly it was, and and partly, you know, after reading it initially, this book, you know, the couple of days I'm at my father's death, I read an extract from it at the funeral service, actually, which was a a lovely description of the bookshop, so a kind of nice bit of of his book. Um, But but it was unfinished, uh, and, and it was, it had some great passages in it, but then it petered out. So the material just wasn't there. So although we had it digitally produced, we didn't know what to do with it because it, it couldn't stand up as it was. Oh, maybe it could, but but it would have you'd have had to have a lot of explanation about well why did he? And and then what happened actually? One, I've been sort of semi-retired um, for a few years now, although I do all sorts of other things. But what immediately two things prompted me to start on the research for the book. One was the something called the Jaggard Papers. Okay, this is my grandfather's original research into the direct descent to try and prove he was directly descended from the printer of the first folio. And there's all his handwritten material and there's all his research notes. And that's, my my sister has had that for a number of years. And it was Christmas, I think, and normal, normal Christmas thing, you know, and I just picked this that these papers up and they were all muddled up and I started reading it and and I just got really you know involved in it again this was three years ago 
and I just thought this is fascinating material and so I began to sort of sort the papers out a bit and put them into some sort of order so that happened that was Christmas 2019 I think and then I got a strange inquiry from an American researcher who contacted me out of the blue I'd never heard of him and he said um I'm doing some work on a book and your grandfather had a book uh, that he owned in the 1930s. And, and can you tell me, is it still in the family? Do you still have it in the family? So then I dug a little bit deeper into, you know, I replied to his email. I said, well, what's this about? And he said, well, I'm writing a book about Shakespeare's handwriting. And this book, which incidentally is called Hollingshed's Chronicles, and Hollingshed's Chronicles is the famous source book for Shakespeare's plays. So he, a lot of the plots come from that book of Shakespeare's plays, and even sections of blank verse come from it. And he believed that this book, Hollingshed's Chronicle, that my grandfather had owned in the 1930s, had some of Shakespeare's handwriting in the margins. Now, you can... <laughs> you can take two views on that really <laughs> what an amazing thing or you must be joking no way uh but whichever i offered to help to see if we could find this book later on i discovered a lot more what that was all about and my grandfather had indeed been involved with this book um i won't go into it it's all described in the book um <laughs> and uh, it's uh, it's uh, quite uh, an amazing story about the book and the handwriting and what led to that. Yeah, um, yeah, you have to read the book to find out more. <laughs> I'm afraid so. <laughs> um, and so, um, and the process of writing it because you this was during lockdown you sort of refer to it a few times in the yeah. of, um or doing the research for writing it was was not so straightforward yeah i mean that time absolutely absolutely not straightforward um they 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 overlapped a little bit you know in the sense of i would start researching some things so there was a period a year year and a half where i was doing some of the major sort of research and then there was a period where i started writing it and that was a real challenge. I'll maybe come to that later about the challenge of writing it. Um, but in terms of the research, I suppose the most significant thing was I realised that there was a period of 20 years of my father's life that I knew virtually nothing about. So from when he was in his early 20s to when he was in his early 40s, so about a 20-year period, he never really talked about or described. He was a bachelor till he was 43 when, when he, he met my mother. Um, and he never he did. He did tell stories about other people, you know, and events. But he didn't talk about his relationships, his domestic situation, anything at all. So I had to try and discover what happened. And I s soon realized that that was probably connected to the scandal of the housekeeper. So there was 
another family. A lot of these things were family stories from half-remembered events. That's all we had. So there's 20 years of Gerald's life, what happened to him. That coincides with the end of the life and death. So he stopped writing it in his, when he's 19, 20. Didn't carry on after that. You know, so that sort of adds up. And then there was the story that my grandfather had gone off with the housekeeper, as the term was. What does that mean exactly? Um, gone off to America to sell a first folio with this woman, whose name was Edith Parkin. Um, and Edith Parkin, we know that, that was her name because she received a large bequest in my grandfather's will. In fact, she got most of the money. And he was quite a wealthy man. And my sister had a story that Gerald, my father, when Anthea was about seven or eight, Gerald sat her down and said, I, I need to tell you something, Anthea. Uh, my father, Captain Jaggard, went off with the housekeeper to America to sell a first folio. I think you ought to know. And that's all we had. Um, <laughs> so the first thing I had to do was to find the housekeeper. Who was she? What was her story? Were they in a relationship? Uh, or, you know, etc. And and that turned out to be the, 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 there were long periods of research that were quite dull at times. <laughs> For example, you know. There's lots of first folios and which was the copy he had. It required him very deep research to discover which was the first folio that Captain Jaguar was linked to. But the, the housekeeper was incredibly frustrating because I couldn't even find who this woman was because there were hundreds on ancestry sites. There's hundreds of Edith Parkins. But eventually we made a breakthrough, which is described in the book. We, we discovered the ship that Edith Parkin and Captain Jaggard had sailed on to America. And by another process, we discovered what was the first folio that, that they were taking with them. And then from the ship's registry, we discovered the address that they were living at just before they left for America to sell this first folio. And it turned out to be an address in Cambridgeshire so a long way from Stratford. My grandfather had a house in Stratford called Rosebank. And guess what? The house in Cambridgeshire where they'd been staying was also called Rosebank. So my grandfather was living some kind of double life. And then eventually, as a result of discovering that and discovering the place in Cambridgeshire, and someone else helped me on ancestry. I found a woman who knew the housekeeper, and we had many long conversations. And she helped to fill in the story of the housekeeper's life. And she even had some of Captain Jaggard's possessions still in her cupboard. This woman, who's now in her late seventies, uh, so so that that whole detective trail was quite amazing. And. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, it, exciting. And so you come to you're able to draw conclusions on um, what happened with Gerald's life in that period. Um, yeah. The 
the true descendancy uh, of WJ. Uh, yeah, of course, that is that is um, something that we had to put in the book. If we, if I talk about the direct descent, yeah, then obviously it's in the book, and and we do we do reach a conclusion on whether we believe we are or are not mm. direct descendants. But the, the the kind of way it goes is that that when we were kids, this was this was another story, you know. Oh, we're directly descended from. William and Isaac Jaguar, printers, and you know, you, you go on a training course or something, tell us something about yourself, you know, I'd say, oh, well, yeah, I'm directly descended from, etc. And and so it was a belief in the family. But but was it was it true? And and there's there's people that have written about Captain Jaguard, and some people cast out on it. You know, was his case watertight, etc. Uh, it, it, it's not. It's not the main point of the book, actually. The, the the main point of the book, for me, is it's about my father and my grandfather, their relationship, what happened to my father. Um, it's a family story of a very difficult relationship between two men who were as opposite from each other as you could possibly imagine. You know, if you feel of all the extremes from Gerald, who was... Reserved, polite, understated, modest—you know—a uh, a good raconteur. And, and my grandfather, who was driven, obsessive, I would say, um, overpowering—you couldn't imagine two more extreme characters. Which I think gives it some of some of the drama. And we deal with the direct descent, but but does it matter? Well. It matters to some people a great deal, you know. If it turns out to be not true, that's going to be a massive disappointment. Or will it turn out to be true? And that will be, wow, we finally have proved it. Um, obviously, you know, it's in the book. We need to wait to find out. Yeah, exactly. Um, so um, the point I was sort of getting to is, is yeah, you, you, you managed to draw these conclusions. Mm. But do you think Gerald would be happy with what you've produced? Oh, um, I really, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, w- I would, I, I'm not going to get the chance to discuss it with him. So I don't know. Uh, it, it, there, there is this thing that, and, and I quote, I quote a lot of his writing in, in, in the book. So that's, Actually, you know that is the, that I, I'm now thinking of doing something that is a bit of an entertainment stroke play, which involves an audience in this thing. Because one of the things is, do I have the right to finish my father's book? Who who gave me the right to finish my father's book? Well, I, I've given myself the right. Should, should I have done that if he if he put it away in a drawer and decided that's as far as he wanted to go? If if its intention was just that he could get his feelings down on paper and then get on with life, and there is some evidence that that may have happened, that he may have, once he'd written the book, put it away in a drawer, decided that's it, that actually what he did was he gathered up all the Jaguard papers, which is all the evidence about the direct descent, and handed it to my sister. 
and he seemed he didn't talk about it after that. So there's some evidence that he decided there's no way I'm going to publish this. On the other hand, he said it's important to tell the truth, and he he said that in several ways. He gave a talk, for example, on the 350th anniversary of the first folio. The Shakespeare Club in Stratford invited Gerald as a direct lineal descendant to go and uh, give a talk about his father and about the direct descent. And Gerald did that. And we've got his speech and I analyse his speech because that was quite tricky for him. Uh, It was very high profile and quite tricky. (laughs) So I, on balance... I would say probably he he wouldn't have wanted to, and I'm I'm very very different character to my father, um, so I don't have a problem with presenting the truth, even though that may not necessarily cast the family in a good light. <laughs> it, it, it certainly doesn't cast my grandfather in a good light. Mm. Well, you're, you're, you're one step removed from it as well, aren't you? So um, it's perhaps easier for you to do it than it would have been for, for Gerald. How does your little sister feel about it, for example? My, my sister is a very different character from me. She's uh, she's far more preserving the memories and, you know, reputation. You know, I, I, feel, I feel that I portrayed Gerald fairly truthfully. Because obviously I, I knew him very well. Uh, he was ninety-seven when he died, you know. So, so we got and and everything I've read in his letters and in the research re, has reinforced my understanding really of, of what he's like. So, undoubtedly, I identify with my father very strongly. I wasn't that kind to him as a teenager. I was quite hard on him, you know, but but I came to admire his qualities. He, he's that's very different from me, you know, and, and I'm far more, let's tell the truth, let's, let's resolve the issue. Are we or aren't we? Let's present the evidence and, and, and not be skewed by being a member of the family. Um, Sorry, I've forgotten your question. Like I say, I, I, I go off on a tangent. <laughs> we'll move on. Um, yeah, I feel like it's obviously a huge business podcast, so we should do a bit of business. And how have you found promoting the book and that side of it? Uh, it's obviously something you've never done before, I guess. Um, how's that? Yeah. Well, um, fascinating. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, writing the book was was firstly a real a real challenge because it's so so many different elements to it. And so eventually I got some coaching help to do that, to how to structure the book. Um, And then publishing it is a real challenge. So we published it through an independent, you know, so we didn't go getting a book traditionally published, as you may know, is incredibly hard, you know, to, to do if you haven't got any track record. And so we had it published independently. And then part of that was, you, no one's going to see your book and, and unless it's discoverable is the term they use. You know, you can write whatever book you like, but if it's not discoverable, uh, then you, you're not going to get far. So we've done lots of things. I've taken advice on, you know, being on Instagram and having an author website and uh, all sorts of promotional things. And the things we've done have mostly been at the book launch entertainment so that people can get, you know, 
hopefully intrigued about what the book's about and and then write it. So, for example, as on Instagram, there was a woman from Norway who who sort of writes book reviews, and she's reviewed it in Norway as a result of those contacts. So I've I've learned a lot. It's not really something I'm naturally interested in, you know, the promotion. I find the creative side of writing. I'm, you know, I'm I don't think I'm a a great writer, um, in in a sense because really the job of writing this book was to try and marry together all the different sources. My father's writing using extracts from his work, you know, from the research. So I think my writing is more, you know, workmanlike, you know, journeyman or something, I, I, I hope, um, to, to make the book accessible to those people who have that interest in it. Um, but promoting it, you know, we, we're, we're having to do all the time and where there's opportunities to talk to book groups or, you know, to do uh, entertainment or to do um, this thing I'm planning, which is going to be a little bit about the research for the book and the evidence and maybe get the audience to come along with us, you know, with the evidence and draw their own conclusions and maybe have the chance to interact with actors in the characters because there's, there's three people, you know, there's myself, there's my father, and my grandfather. So in the book, there's these three three voices, and that can be quite. I don't know whether you found it confusing when you when you read it. But for the most part, not. But there are um, there are times. I, yeah, probably only a, a couple of times I had to go. Oh, hang on, which one? <laughs> Who's talking? <laughs> about yeah. Now? yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but now on the whole, it, it's you know they're, they're quite clearly. Um, sort of labelled, aren't they? Um, so, yeah, not not entirely uh, difficult. Um, I guess, do you have any plans for more books? Or uh, you, you spoke about what you might plan to do with this, turning it into a play. Do you have plans for anything else? I really enjoyed writing it, actually. I mean, when I, when I got gradually got clear about how to structure it, which took a long time, and when I got, for example, you know, I'd got a clear concept for a chapter then i really enjoyed sitting down and writing it but I, i'm i'm not i'm not sure what uh, what other book i could i could write you know um i, I did enjoy it i did really enjoy the the challenge of writing it and the challenge of the research and pulling it all together but uh, i would have to have an idea for something and uh I'm, I'm kind of aware of i think i got a little bit better at writing as i went on but I'm aware of my limitations. And so, in a way, this was a sort of one-off. Mm. It's not going to happen again to discover your father's unfinished memoir and finish it on his behalf, whether he wants you to or not. Um, uh, so we'll see. We'll see, really, whether whether there's something completely different that, I'm, that I might I might want to, to do. Well, hopefully there's enough to entice people um, to, to, to go and read and find out the... Um, conclusions to the, the stories that, like I said, several different threads there that need uh, need answering. So, um, where can, where can people find it? Where should they go to get? Uh, okay, so it's um, it's on Amazon. Um, you just Google Shakespeare Press, and uh, all the normal stuff is on there that you'd expect about a book. Um, it's available through Waterstones online. And it's stocked certainly in Durham Waterstones and 
hopefully plan for one or two one or two others uh, and we have an author website i mentioned instagram shakespeare underscore press underscore book and i've been i've been putting images on there um which i think we've got quite a large number of followers now and uh, just sort of bits and pieces really of different bits of the story um so if people are interested go on to that instagram site shakespeare underscore press underscore book and you can get some snippets of the story and some of the images uh, from from the from the book um yeah uh and and there's a author website it sounds grand it's not really it's just the book website um which which has has sort of uh, all the normal stuff on I, I forget i forget the what it's called now actually i'm, I'm not great I'm not great at promotion <laughs> i'll put all the links in in the show don't oh you? oh thank you, you. Yeah. Find them there and find my links where to buy it as well um but yeah thank I, you so I, much I tell you what but if anyone is interested in in a, a who's a member of a book club and wants to have a have a talk about the research process We've done a little bit of that when we did the book launch and people seem to find it quite interesting about some of the kind of key moments in the research and, and also some of the huge frustrations in, in research and uh, still still a few gaps in our knowledge, you know, so you uncover other things. So they're welcome to, to contact me. Perfect. Um, and I'll get a link to where, to where to contact you from as well in the in the in the show notes. But yeah, thank you so much for me on. Um, I'm uh, I must confess I'm only halfway through the book, so I've still got all the the joys of of, of finishing it to come. Um, and uh, yeah, certainly the conversation with you has has uh, wet my appetite to 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 get on with it as well. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank, thanks for asking me. Yeah, I've been I've enjoyed talking to you and. Uh... I've yeah listened to a couple of the podcasts and a good a real variety of uh, different victims that you have. <laughs> thank you, um, perfect. Thanks so much. Okay, thank you, Chris. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, please email me at chris at chrishazelmortgages.co.uk. Speak to you next time.